The future of Halo is uncertain as rumors swirl right as Halo Infinite Season 5 launches. While some are expressing excitement about the newest season, the modes, the maps, and the long-awaited updates and changes, credible sources are saying that a new Halo is being built in Unreal 5 as a pivot away from Halo Infinite. More than that, the long-awaited Halo Battle Royale Tatanka has new info about it also being in Unreal. This is why I say the future of Halo is uncertain. Could we be seeing a Call of Duty format where you have the classic Halo and the Battle Royale separated? And what does this mean for Halo Infinite right now? If Season 5 and the updates to Forge are a huge hit, what will that mean if they leave Halo Infinite behind? Now, I put all the good information of the video right here at the start. That way you don't have to go looking for it. It's a longer video because this is a live stream. So if you want to be here for the conversations and the discussions, make sure and hit subscribe and the bell button so you don't miss out. So Halo, I think, has a future according to everything that we are hearing and seeing. But the question is, what type of future will that be? That's why I'm saying I think it's an uncertain future. Halo Infinite Season 5 just started and implemented some good changes, but while hardcore fans celebrate those updates, those changes, and the new season, I have questions about how the game will ever appeal to new players. And that's where the rumors come in about a new game, a Halo Battle Royale, and the Unreal Engine. So first, I want to consider what we are hearing about this alleged new Halo. Given the campaign and the PvE plans for Halo Infinite were scrapped right before and right as Joseph Staten left. I'm curious about the direction for the game and what that will look like. Second, I want to consider Halo Infinite's role in all of this. We have a new season. We have good changes and updates from everything that I have seen. Is this basically going to be the public testing beta for the next Halo? Third, I want to ask if Halo is pulling a Call of Duty. Having a Halo Battle Royale and a separate Halo with a campaign, DLC, expansions, and the more classic arena experience might be so quietly brilliant that it could work and it could help achieve two big challenges that I have always highlighted satisfy the hardcore Halo players while having a funnel to capture new players who have never really gotten in to Halo so first let's just talk about the new Halo and the rumors that we are hearing in the leaks and what they're claiming Is there a new Halo on the way? Would it have ties to Halo Infinite? What about the new Halo Battle Royale that we keep hearing about? Before we talk about the Battle Royale and the potential engine shift, I just want to look at the claims that are being made about this game that is allegedly in development right now. According to Insider Gaming, it has been claimed that 343 Industries is actively working on the next Halo campaign and that a pivot away from Halo Infinite is taking place as we speak. Now, this claim happened right before Halo Infinite Season 5 started. Now, this claim is not just that a new Halo is in active development, but that this will be serving as a pivot away from Halo Infinite, which is interesting since the season just started and everybody says it's great, right? Why would you be internally pivoting away? Some might say that the future of Halo Infinite should be explained. Tell us what's going on. But if its future is somehow tied to the plans of this new game, we will likely have to wait for something official. 
According to Insider Gaming, the concerns about Halo Infinite started in 2023. They say that at the start of 2023, there were concerns regarding the future of Halo, especially amid layoffs at Microsoft that impacted 343. Fans were reassured that Halo isn't going anywhere, but at present, nobody knows what's next for the series. So, while the future remains uncertain or unspecified, where are these rumors coming from about a new Halo? Well, more from Insider Gaming. These reports come from SG Bitcast, a gaming podcast hosted by Seasoned Gaming, and this specific tidbit of information was handed down by site's editor-in-chief, Ains. When asked about the series, Ains stated that there's a team actively working on the, quote, restructure that is building the next generation of Halo on Unreal. Now, I have been told that Ains is a very reliable insider with information about Halo, so this is a credible source. This is probably credible information and some of this I believe is easy to believe because earlier in 2023 it became known that devs at 343 were practicing and building things in Unreal allegedly they were even internally discussing switching to Unreal I have thought from the very beginning of Halo Infinite's launch that there was an engine level problem with slip space simple changes just couldn't ever seem to happen in a timely manner now according to Ains on the podcast the studio is engaged in the restructure that is building the next generation of Halo on Unreal. And this is where Tatanka enters the picture. If you're not familiar with it, there have been two years of whispers about a Halo Battle Royale. Certain Affinity was allegedly working on it, then apparently they weren't. They were going to help with regular Halo Infinite and stuff. There was a lot of rumors about this, but now, according to xfire.com, the Tatanka project could line up with what we are hearing about the new Halo and the Unreal engine. According to X-Fire, Tatanka, co-developed with Certain Affinity, a studio that's significant history of working on Halo series, this is a still-to-be-revealed project. It's rumored to be an intriguing fusion of the Battle Royale and Extraction Shooter genres. Extraction Shooters have grown in popularity recently, so combining those two in a Battle Royale within the Halo universe could be a ticket for a winning game. Now, we have to switch to Game Rant for the claim about Unreal. Real. This is when it starts to feel like these two games are going to play off each other or coexist. If certain affinity was able to bring proof of concept to Microsoft and 343 and say, look, Halo can feel really good in the Unreal Engine, that could have had an effect on the future of the game. It could have been a major draw. It could have been one of the reasons that folks at 343 were doing the same thing. Now, according to Game Rant, codenamed Tatanka, this project will supposedly be the first Halo game to be built in Unreal Engine instead of 343's proprietary slip space engine. Now, I would imagine they would actually try to launch these two together, sort of pull a Call of Duty. But the switch to Unreal may be met with skepticism from fans and gamers alike. Many Unreal 5 engine games have been struggling to launch in a good way, and it could be an experience with the engine, it could be the engine's just not ready for public consumption, it could be that the engine is leveraging too many great tools and features that are struggling on the consoles or weaker hardware PCs. At the end of the day, I believe a new Halo is needed. I got a lot of flack from diehard Halo fans in my video about how to save the franchise. I still think the best thing for Halo is to hand the franchise to id Software and treat Halo 1 and 2 as inspiration points and essentially do to Halo what they did to Doom. Leave behind the game in its current form. 
No matter if you agree with me or not, no matter what you think about Halo, it's undeniable that at some level an evolution is needed. And maybe a split between the core game, the classic arena PvP, and a separate battle royale is just what the doctor ordered. For now, it's just a rumor, but it's a rumor that has legs and it lines up with a lot of what we have heard previously. So as I said, Halo has a future, it's just a little foggy and uncertain right now. So this kind of begs the question, right? What about Halo Infinite? What are they doing with Halo Infinite? Halo Infinite's latest season is receiving praise from the community as well as a bump in players. We may have to wait until the weekend to see the true effect, but the Steam chart numbers jump to 18,000 concurrent players, up from much lower than that, and it is currently close to the top 20 in the most played Xbox games. Now, to be fair, in May of 2022, the player numbers jumped up to 20,000 concurrent and then basically fell back down again. So I know Steam is not where the majority of the community plays. You don't have to tell me that. I know that. But it does give some indication of response to new content and to changes when you see that spike as long as the spike is then maintained by rhythmic player engagement instead of just people checking it out for a day or two and then walking away again the most played xbox games list i do think is helpful you can see where halo infinite is stacking up against other games it is currently landing between mortal kombat 1 and mlb the show 23 it was previously much much lower the other thing worthy of note is that halo infinite season 5 reckoning brings a lot of welcome changes Firstly, they added two maps, Forbidden and Prism, and they have a new mode called Extraction. And in this new mode, Extraction, they describe it on their blog as the following. Extraction is an objective-based game mode that was first introduced in Halo 4, and now this beloved mode has a new coat of paint with the latest UNSC and personal AI tech in Halo Infinite. Deploy extraction sites at different locations on the map to score points. Protect the site as it counts down to capture as the enemy team can convert and extract it for themselves. So many fans were excited to see this game mode return and have some updates and changes made to it. In addition to that, the new maps and the modes that they're adding, they are making changes that will also make fans happy starting with multi-core helmets and i know this to some people doesn't seem like a big deal but the people who have been playing changes like this are a welcome one this is what they said we have made adjustments to every helmet in halo infinite which means all helmets in the game are available on all armor cores now if you're unfamiliar with the game the armor cores are like a predetermined armor set and you are not able to mix and match the helmets as freely as you might want. Maybe you want the armor that sort of looked like a samurai, but you want to wear a more traditional helmet. Things like that were frustrating players, like if you wanted to mix and match. Well, you'll be able to do that going forward. One of the main points of criticism of Halo Infinite in the earliest days was that customization restrictions made it really hard to make your character look the way that you wanted. Now, they also made changes to the Battle Pass and XP. They said the Reckoning Battle Pass will overall be tighter and better quality content, allowing you to play however you want to earn match XP in matchmaking or, for the first time, custom games and progresses its 50 total tiers. The pass consists of 50 tiers because, thanks to further improvements with our systems, multiple items can now be bundled together in the same reward tier, so items that were previously multiple unlocks are now bundled into one, like coatings and shoulder pads. So it's a smaller and more dense 
battle pass and somebody might say well hey you made all this room by bundling certain things like shoulder pads and and coatings why not add more items since you shrunk it i could see how somebody might feel like they're actually getting less on the battle pass in general i think the halo infinite battle passes felt incredibly long because progression was really slow so i actually see this as a welcome change we don't need to just constantly have a long list of frivolous things to chase in a battle pass make it more dense and condensed and make it you know progress a little bit faster being able to earn match xp in custom games is a huge win like who cares if somebody wants to grind out in customs let folks play how they want they did a huge update to forge allowing you to place ai units and also create pve scenarios so there is that chance that we're going to start to see a resurgence of lots of customization and fan-made things that's something that the halo community is known for within adding ai so you can have like pve encounters and things like that they have also added new palettes like banished and snow and ice as well as new canvas maps like deadlands and permafrost so if you want to put yourself in a desert or like a frozen wasteland you can it'll be interesting to see what the community comes up with and good news for halo players who thought events were not in the best shape well they are now called operations and they will function better in response to player feedback and this is what they had to say the way you progress operations will be based on match xp not challenges yay which you can earn in matchmaking or custom games and once an operation ends it will be purchasable via the switcher or shop these developments along with the length of operations have come as the result of player feedback around events which have often felt limiting due to their short windows and lack of ability to obtain their content if they are missed The few events that I tried in Halo Infinite, they always felt very restrictive. If I could only play on certain days, like if you wanted to kind of slam everything out in one day, it was, it would, you just couldn't do it. Like there was only a certain amount of things that you could earn. There was only a certain amount of challenges you could do. So changing this, I think, to match XP and letting you do match XP in customs, I think is a change for the better. They announced combined arms and winter contingency. Those are the upcoming events, or now they're calling them operations. Those are the upcoming events, and I thought they looked pretty good, like the Santa Claus armor was actually kind of funny. That's always fun and festive, so that you have that to look forward to with Halo Infinite at the end of 2023. Also coming later in Season 5, is a new take on King of the Hill. They said, coming later in Season 5 is Firefight King of the Hill, a new take on the classic mode where four players must capture and defend hills against an onslaught of banished forces. This actually sounds like a lot of fun. If you love, you know, that kind of thing, they're bringing it back sometime in Season 5. That's actually something that might get me to boot up Halo again. I was never too keen on the PvP. I do love custom games, though. We did a ton of custom game community game nights here for members back when Halo first came out. A lot of people think I hate Halo or I hate on Halo. It's like, I actually had a lot of fun with it in the earliest of days. It just did not bring the quality that everybody was expecting. And if you love the classic Master Chief look, he is also coming to the game. This is what they had to say. The Master Chief's iconic Mjolnir Mark V armor from Halo Combat Evolved has lovingly been authentically created as an armor kit in Halo Infinite. It'll be made available in the shop during the Combined Arms operation so if you want to look like master chief himself you're going to want to check that out during the combined arms event when it takes place it is clear 
they're listening to players even if a lot of this feedback landed well over a year ago it's always been a struggle with this game they hear and they implement feedback it just tends to take a long time it's beginning to look like a fully functional live service halo which is why i think they are treating this like a beta for the next game the rumors about pivoting away from halo infinite building a new campaign switching to the unreal engine it all seems pretty credible so halo infinite season 5 is a step in the right direction but if the plan is to leave halo infinite behind ultimately this would end up being a tiny step in the future of the halo franchise Which is why I think they may be pulling a Call of Duty here. They may actually be copying or mimicking what we've seen from Call of Duty. The rumors are getting more traction about Halo switching to Unreal, launching a new game, a campaign, alongside of the long-awaited Halo Tatanka Battle Royale, and the plan seems to be to continue updating and implementing player feedback in things like Halo Infinite Season 5 Reckoning. But But something I have always maintained was that Halo needs to evolve to capture new players. Appealing to the hardcore long-standing veterans is great, but there's simply not enough of them to keep the game going long-term. This is why I think the current rumors and leaks point to Halo pulling a Call of Duty. The latest rumor is that they are already working on a new Halo campaign in the Unreal Engine, and they plan to pivot away from Halo Infinite. In addition to that, the Tatanka game, the Battle Royale that Certain Affinity has been working on, that's also claimed to be in the Unreal Engine. This would put Halo into a very good position, potentially. Well, how so? Well, for starters... The new engine, I just think, is needed. The Slipspace engine certainly captures the look and feel of Halo, but it seems like a terrible engine for changes and updates. The smallest piece of player feedback simply cannot be added quickly. And if you want to have a successful live service multiplayer game in 2023, you need an agile engine. If something isn't right, if players want to change or a fix, you need to be able to do that within the month that you hear the feedback, minimum. I oftentimes think you want to see those changes within a week or two, if possible. Especially if the feedback is overwhelming or if the problem is significant. If people are really getting stuck on something, they're snagging on something, and something is unenjoyable, you want to rectify that quickly or you will lose your audience. This is why you need an agile engine. Months went by in Halo Infinite with broken game modes, the inability to separate items in the store, player feedback about match XP didn't truly land until recently. So a new engine would help significantly. We know the Unreal Engine isn't perfect, but Fortnite is able to do updates at a breakneck speed. Obviously, that can cause other issues, but a new engine would help with quicker updates and fixes immensely. The second thing this would help with is putting Halo into a good position with being separated what do i mean by that well if they structure it like call of duty it would give them a lot of freedom the main game could launch you could have your seasons annual or biannual dlc and expansions and the pvp could be faithful to the arena style play classic halo modes classic feel weapons all the things that the veteran players want including everything that they've learned from forge and custom games 
but running alongside this would be how Call of Duty releases a mainline title, but they also have Warzone, well, you could have a Halo Battle Royale. This is where they could evolve the game beyond where it has always orbited. My contention has always been that you need new players, and this would be a potentially massive funnel to do that. Hardcore veteran players could have everything they want in the standard release version of Halo. The more classic arena-style PvP could continue to do what it always has done, but I don't think that captures new players. It could continue to have that presence in esports as well, which I actually do think is important historically. But the Battle Royale could basically be and do whatever it wanted. Sure, you could have tie-ins to weapons, vehicles, but you could just mainly take inspiration from Halo rather than be so firmly tethered to it. This would put Halo into a very strong position if they actually pull it off. A new engine that could be updated quicker, two funnels of players, it solves so much of the debates over the years. I got a lot of grief for saying that they need to do to Halo what they did to Doom. You just got to completely evolve and change the game entirely. I was told they tried this with other games. I don't think they went far enough, if you want my honest opinion. I feel like the game has always too firmly orbited around what Halo looks and feels like. They didn't go far enough. I still believe Halo could be amazing if you handed it to id Software, the guys with Doom, hand it to id Software and just give them a blank check. Let them do whatever they want. But... I will admit this, a more classic style Halo with a campaign, with co-op, and the arena PvP separated from a brand new Halo Battle Royale could be the ticket that Halo needs. I think there is some merit to the longevity of arena shooters and their appeal, but I also think you could make a compelling case that arena shooters are just not relevant or wanted anymore. Even Call of Duty, which is not a traditional arena-style shooter, just the smaller style maps with 6v6 doesn't seem nearly as popular as Warzone, and to get people to buy the annual releases with the smaller-scale PvP, they basically have to get you to do that by tying it to the far more popular war zone if you are trying to get people to come to your game in mass i don't think arena shooters do it and that's the question xbox has to ask if they want mass appeal right if you want commercial success for halo what you've been doing will not work you're only appealing to the base there's nothing wrong with that but a split and a separation could help So the future of Halo from where I sit, it is uncertain, but there are, from where I sit, glimmers of hope yet for the franchise. So let me give you my thoughts and my conclusion here. Halo will always be an iconic game, regardless of how well the current title is doing. It's an iconic game. Everybody loves Halo in certain ways, right? It's recognizable. We all want, I think, Halo to do well. I think that's better for the market when you have another strong standing, you know, live service shooter out there. Even before Halo Infinite launched, I said, hey, this could be a big comeback for the franchise. If you go back and watch my coverage before Halo came out, I said, look, there is just something about Halo. Halo. I had a lot of confidence in the franchise and title once Joseph Staten was involved. Apparently he was involved to get a barn fire out the door is essentially what he was responsible for. And I feel like he did an admirable job, but this game has just been too stubborn to turn the rudder and evolve fast enough and make changes fast enough to really be a successful live service game. And the quality just wasn't there. They still, I think, can have a draw in the esports world, even if it's not what it used to be. 
And the music, the, the main character, the artwork, it's immediately recognizable. It's why I have always hoped for a big turnaround for Halo. I'm not a long-standing Halo fan. I'm a latecomer, but I still think Halo has something special about it. And it seems like so much wasted potential with the last handful of entries. Second thing I want to say is, a new Halo in a new engine with a Battle Royale running alongside of it could be just what the Doctor ordered. It'd be strange if Call of Duty essentially forged the path for Halo's redemption arc with their, their BR and their annual release separation. Like, Call of Duty kind of forged that road. Call of Duty is not traditionally an arena shooter. It sort of took the idea of an arena shooter and evolved it. Instead of having items on the map, you sort of earn items through kill streaks. But it essentially is inspired by and building on the foundation of classic arena shooters like Doom, Quake, Unreal Tournament, and Halo. Even still, the more classic small map approach doesn't draw as much as the BR. Now keep in mind, I wasn't saying Call of Duty was building off of Halo. I was referencing more traditional style arena shooters, and Call of Duty, I think, took that and evolved it. I think a pretty strong indication of the arena aspect of Halo, I think, would fight the same relevancy battle that we're seeing Call of Duty fight. Call of Duty doesn't necessarily get you to buy their latest annual release for the arena like the, the more stripped down arena style it's not traditional arena but it's an arena style because it's smaller maps smaller teams they have to motivate you to buy that with Warzone so I think they're fighting the same relevancy battle I think the more smaller stripped down gameplay has just really lost its footing in the marketing I think I think Battle Royales and Fortnite and PUBG and Warzone have really changed people's expectations I really think the Halo BR could take a lot of clues from Apex Legends with movement and speed and abilities, but that's a whole other discussion. My conclusion is this. If the plan in the immediate future is to keep updating Halo Infinite with player feedback and good content, I'm all for that. It could really put them in a good spot to gather information about player behavior, complaints, criticisms, heat maps of activity and modes and maps. Like They could learn all of that. This could help shape the next game in a very good way. I've been saying lately that a successful live service game should consider launching in early access. You can learn so much and make so many foundational changes and improvements before you build your entire game on what could have been a bad foundation. And Halo Infinite right now could considerably be, I think it could be like an early access testing ground for the future of Halo. So, While I think the future of Halo is uncertain, that doesn't mean that it can't shine bright once again. And that's the show open. Thank you guys so much for being here. I appreciate you guys so, so much. You guys are the best, and we haven't covered Halo in a really, really long time, but when I saw a brand new season launching, and then I saw rumors about a new Halo being built, and Unreal, and the BR, I thought, okay, we might have something here. They might be leveraging Halo Infinite and the seasons and the updates. They might be leveraging it to really, really push things forward and i have some people to thank hang on just a second let me update i gotta get the goal out here and i gotta thank somebody this is so incredible alex with a 10 bomb starting the day right and getting us well on our way to 25 every 25 i give five we currently have 2300 members so i do need to update that let's update that member count it's not 2200 it's 2300 members you guys helped move the line yesterday we are 200 members away from the fright night goal the last friday this month my wife and i will play a scary game those are always so much fun so you can help us hit that goal by becoming a member yourself 
or by gifting members. If you can't do a membership or you can't gift a membership, that's totally fine. Smash the like button, help us get to 200 likes, and you can subscribe to the channel and talk in the chat. All those things help the video, but it also helps you. You might get a gifted membership the more you engage uh, with the channel and the content. A little warm in the studio. It's cold in the house, but it's warm in the studio, so I'm going to take off my jacket. Morning, Mark. Uh, good. How are you, Feed? Good to see you in the chat. Let me pop out the chat here so that I can drag it over and see what everybody's saying. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody in the members-only Discord as well. We appreciate you guys so, so much hanging out over there. That's a perk of being a member. No no, uh, no character limitations in your messages. You can hang out over there and chat and listen to the show. Gary Allen Wake. Maybe, maybe. We'll see. Yeah, Switchback VR. Hey, listen. It, I, this Friday night, I'm, I'm flying solo on the Friday night stream. So hit the goal before this Friday, and I'll do that Switchback game. That game looks really, really scary in VR. And I have a way to be mic'd now when I do VR. I got a little little portable mic. And don't forget, we brought back the Light Roast. Dark Roast and the Light Roast are available. What do you guys think of this? Do you think this is what's, what's going on? Do you think they're going to be heading toward a split between Halo, the classic Halo with the arena style, and a BR running separate? Do you think they're using Halo Infinite as a testing ground for the future of the franchise? If you guys are playing, I'd love to know what you think. What has your experience been with Halo Infinite Season 5? I'm hearing good things. The player base numbers don't look all that promising just yet. Uh, Isn't Destiny exclusive? What do you mean exclusive? Exclusive in what way? Morning, Lono. Great up, uh, upbeat take, positivity. Yeah, I like. I know the thumbnail might look negative. It's like, the, but I do. I think the future of Halo is uncertain, and uncertain doesn't mean bad. Uncertain just means we don't know. We don't know what in the heck they're gonna do. We don't. We don't know if they're gonna if they're gonna do anything with a BR. We don't know if they're gonna do anything, you know, with a with a standalone with Arena. Ginger says, Halo needs to stop holding on to the past and embrace new modes like Battle Royale DMZ to speak to the younger generation. Ginger, what do you think of my idea about them pulling a Call of Duty? They would separate the BR, call it Tatanka, call it whatever, okay? And over there, they can do whatever they want. They can go nuts. They can give you abilities. They can give you jetpacks. They can give you anything, okay? They can give you teleporters. Take a lot of inspiration from Apex. But then over here, you would have your annual release Halo with expansions, DLC, and that's where the arena shooter would live. Because they would still want to satisfy the veterans, they would still want to satisfy the esports crowd. If you separate them like that, just like Call of Duty does, Call of Duty still comes out with the more stripped-down arena-style maps and modes. Now, it's not a traditional arena, because it doesn't have like the items on the map, but it is very much arena-style. And you have that over here, and then you have Warzone over here. And if they separate them, they get to do the two things Halo needs to do. You gotta kind of keep the loyalists happy, the veterans happy, you gotta keep the esports scene happy, but you also need to, you, you need to have new people. You, you need new players. You need people that are like, listen, I don't like Halo. Halo's been out long enough that people know whether or not they like it. So if you come and play Halo Infinite, you're going to be like, yeah, it's Halo. I don't like Halo. Okay, a Halo Battle Royale with all new things and bells and whistles and abilities and stuff, that wouldn't hurt 
the brand. It wouldn't hurt the arena experience. They'd be separate. I think you're spot on, says Ginger, but they need to link the stores and the battle passes. At least that would be my wish. Well, more than likely, if they do pull the Call of Duty, Call of Duty's basically like, hey, if you want everything, you gotta buy Call of Duty, and you gotta grind out that over there for your guns over here. Like, you would definitely, I would think they would try to link the two together in that regard. I I think that would be, uh, that would be pretty predictable. Halo multiplayer is free to play. They can't go back on that. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying, Eugene. Um, yeah, that would be a challenge with the format that I just trotted out there. The But if they made the Halo Battle Royale free, and then the arena was attached to an annual release that they sell, then they would just say, you can get the annual release day and date on Game Pass. I think that'd be fine. If anybody complained about that, I would be like, shut up. <laughs> Not everything has to be free. Now, the pushback, and this would be fair pushback on my position that I just trotted out, would be, Lono, you've always said live service games need to be free to play if they want to fill the funnel. And you're right. You're right. But Call of Duty's doing it. I mean, I, I think you could get away with it. I think Halo needs to come to PlayStation, at least the multiplayer. Oh, golly, that would be such a weird day if that happened. Derek says, splitting BR from the main series would make sense if, big if, they can release it in a finished state. Either way, OG fans are still left wanting, waiting for Halo 7. Sorry, the Halo. Um, Nick says, like PlayStation has amazing single player, I just wish they had something dope. Honestly, uh, I would take Titanfall. Yeah, I mean, I, we don't need to talk about PlayStation right now. We're talking about Halo, what, you know, the future of Halo and what they could do. I'm not really worried about other other platforms' live service efforts. Those are separate topics and separate discussions. That has nothing to do with this. Now, unless you're responding to what Ginger said, if you're responding to what Ginger said about Halo coming to PlayStation, then here's the thing. God. I don't I don't want to get into that discussion too much. I got to be careful here because we always end up talking about the other platform. If we're talking about the green platform, we end up talking about the blue. And we're talking about the blue platform, we end up talking about the green platform. It's freaking dizzying, right? Now listen. I have said very many times that I think live service games should be multi-plat. They should be multi-plat and free. And I mean multi-plat, like everywhere. Now, obviously, the Nintendo Switch is a bit of a barrier. Maybe the new Nintendo Switch will remove some of those barriers so you can get a little bit better performance. However, the infrastructure is not necessarily there. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, look, if you're going to do a live service game, I really truly think you got to be on Xbox, PlayStation, and PC. I think that's your best chance, okay? Now, if you really really want the best chance you got to pull a Fortnite. you got to pull a fall guys you got to be mobile nintendo pc xbox playstation pc everywhere okay now i understand if a live service game doesn't go that distance and just hits the main two big uh multiplayer console players because i don't think switch is known for multiplayer so like xbox and playstation are more known for being platforms where there is multiplayer because you know tons of call of duty on playstation and then xbox traditionally i think has better interface for multiplayer with lfg and and party systems and their interface is better their audio codecs are better for party you know party conversations and, and sound and they've you know had halo and gears of war so I think that's the best for a live service game. Now, having said that, I don't think Halo being everywhere, I don't think they would ever do that. I don't. Um, I think there are two there are titles that are almost sacred 
and that would be considered sacrilegious to say oh my gosh master chief on a playstation you see i think on paper it's like well yeah there's a ton of people over there and if it's free if there's a halo battle royale and it's free just put it over there I just don't see it. I don't know. It, to me, I feel like it's sacred. Seeing that that logo, seeing that name, seeing that character on PlayStation would feel sacrilegious to the brand. And that would come down to if they feel the future evolution of the brand is, no, we just want to put it everywhere. We don't, we don't see the point. Oh, my dry erase boards in the shot. Give me one second. I got my new power supplies, my new battery backups, um, and uh, I slid my dry erase board over to make room for the boxes when I brought them in the room. <laughs> I was like, yeah, there's my dry erase board. That's where we're playing the shows. Like Mario on Xbox. Yeah, I, I think the future of Halo, I think Halo's future is wrapped up in having a battle royale and having a great single player experience and also you got to you got to maintain arena you do you have to maintain arena i don't think the future of halo is everywhere mario on xbox would be great i don't i don't think so i think you get what you get because they drill down on first party i think there's a reason i think there's i think there's a reason mario wonder just got where it got what it did i just i think that you would never get that level of love and care and work and then you'd have to have a whole new development funnel of you know porting games to other platforms no i love nintendo right where they are i don't want their titles everywhere no we get so much better work with the current setup from first party i think that's that's the ticket and that's why i don't think halo i just don't think you want to put halo on on other platforms i think the key the halo is evolution not necessarily spreading the brand to other platforms um i i just i don't think so when i look at what halo needs to do i really do feel like they have two check boxes they've got to check and that's what makes it so difficult okay you have to check the box of you got to be faithful to the brand, you gotta be faithful to the veterans, you gotta be faithful to the play and the arena. Why? Well, because there's a potential, there's a big potential esports avenue there. There's also a core audience that has supported the Master Chief collection. They are, they're still around. You know, they're still supporting this game. They're still buying, okay? Now, eventually, your core audience can shrink so much that they become irrelevant in this equation. I don't think that has happened with Halo. I don't. So I think that's like the first checkbox you have to check is you have to say, listen, 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 I made a video where I said the way to save Halo is to give it the doom treatment, hand it to id software and just completely change everything. Halo in name only. Okay. Halo in name only. And I, and the Halo fans did not like it. They didn't like what I had to say. And that's fine. It's very clear. A five bomb from Cristiano Souza moving things along. That's a nice layup for a 10 bomb to 25. We only need 200 members to hit the the first goal this month of 2,500 members. You guys are moving along. We're at 2,300 members. We can easily hit that today. If you hit it before Friday, you'll get two scary games. I'll do a scary game this Friday night by myself. 
I've got a way to mic myself in VR. And then the final Friday of the month, I'll do one with my wife. I'll do a scary game with her. You guys tend to really, really enjoy those streams. Um, so th- I, I got a lot of, you know, I got a lot of hate on that video and that's fine. That's fine. I love the passion. I love the fact that people like Halo so much that they'll, you know, they'll attack somebody for saying what I said, but I do think that's the other box you have to check. Joker Quinn with a single gifted. Thank you so much. Joker Quinn setting up the agents of chaos. And there it is. Alex slams it home to 26 and becomes not only the person to secure the first 25 of the day, but he's also the agents of chaos. Thank you for a 10 bomb. Alex bringing the heat today. Is anybody going to compete with this man? He did a 10 bomb yesterday. He's done two 10 bombs today. Thank you so much. And he did push us past the 25, which means he's also the agent of chaos. Thank you so much, Alex. People need to remember Warzone is free. Why would Halo BR need to be different? Oh, I would imagine it would need to be free shooter forever. It would be. You'd have to make the Halo BR free. I'm saying... I'm saying you would set it up to say... Let's just completely do the Call of Duty method. BR for free, annual release over here. The annual release can say traditional, and over here we can do whatever we want, right? To be fair, your evolution talk was a bad idea. That's your opinion. I I think it's a great idea. If it's such a bad idea, what is sticking close to Halo's traditional feel? What has it done for the game? Have you garnered a lot of new players? No. Have you transcended and evolved into the modern landscape? No, they haven't done that. So sure, stick to your guns. I respect it. Do it. But I don't think you're going to have commercial success. And that's the real question mark. The question mark's not whether or not long-term fans think your game is faithful to Halo. The question is, can you make money with Halo in, in 2023 and beyond? Respectfully, with that Halo take, I think you should stop talking about Halo. I will talk about whatever I feel like talking about. I like literally today have outlined how they could do both. They could satisfy the veterans, they could do a BR, and they could capture new players. What's what's wrong with that take? Trot out a better idea. If my idea is so bad that I, I shouldn't talk about Halo, what trot out a better idea. What do you got? What should they do? All I ever hear from the long-standing Halo fans is go back to basics, go back to the roots, go back to what worked in the past. And it's like, that's not going to bring in new players. Like, it's not. You'd be better off making new IP instead of doing that. Tell that to Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal. What do you mean? Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal shows that you can take inspiration from a classic but completely evolve it into a great space. I'm an OG Halo vet, and I think Lono is right. Thank you. I'm not worried about people thinking I'm right or I'm wrong. You're welcome to think I'm wrong. Put out a better idea then. What do you think they should do with Halo? Doom Eternal and Doom 2016 shows, like, look, you you can be faithful to Doom and not have it be Doom anymore. It's not the Doom of old. It's a completely new... The movement... The, the way that the way the combat flows it's all inspiration can you imagine doom stuck to the basics but made it 3d ah, hang on a minute <laughs> do you think that the original dooms aren't 3d 
the character models aren't 3D, but it's a 3D game. What are you talking about? What do you think? What do you think Classic Doom was? A side scroller? Five spot from Alex Lono can talk about whatever he wants. Nobody puts him in a corner. That's right. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> Doom was still Doom. It didn't lose its identity. I don't I don't think it lost its identity, but come on. The constraints of movement and pacing. If you compare some of the best eras of Halo with Halo Infinite, it's so similar, bro. It's so similar. Compare, go watch footage of Doom 2 and then look at footage of Doom Eternal. Bro, come on, bro. It's uh, it's the same. It's just better graphics. No, 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 no. Completely updated everything. Evolved the movement, the intensity, the speed, the weapons, the weapons. Why do we have to have weapons that are so, that are from the first game? Like, what are we doing here? Classic Doom used polygons for the environments. You could argue that Wolf 3D was kind of 2.5, but I don't think that works for Doom. Yeah, I mean, they use, like, flat sprites for the enemies, so, like, as you turn past them, they load a different sprite, right? So they would make they would make front-facing sprite, pivot sprite, side sprite, back sprite. So, like, as you rotate past them, it loads a different image for that enemy. They're not a literal 3D model moving around. Perfect Dark Laptop turret in Fortnite was great. I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not familiar with that. Lona was right, but didn't 343 try the Doom 16 treatment with Halo 5 Guardians? Okay, that's a good point, Cat. I had a lot of people bring that up, okay? I had a lot of people bring that up. They're like, they tried this with, with Halo 5. If you think Halo 5 is their Doom approach, no wonder it freaking failed. Talk about a half measure talk about a half measure no no i'm not talking about so this is the analogy that i would use halo 5 felt to me like they just took a classic car and made it faster it was like it still felt like a half measure it's like no no and and here's what i'll tell you why it didn't work they went far enough that they ticked off the loyalists but they didn't go far enough to capture new players. This is a challenge that we've always talked about with established franchises. If you go too far, you tick off the loyalists. If you don't go far enough, people are like, yeah, it's still Halo. I don't like it. Right? So I don't think we would say that Halo that Halo 5 was their, was their best effort to evolve the franchise. It just felt like a half measure, so you just made your long-standing fans really angry, and then new fans were like, yeah, it's still Halo. And this always happens with games. When Call of Duty tried to branch out with like wall running and double jumping, everybody got really angry, right? Your long-standing fans were like, boots on the ground, what is this crap, why is this in the game, Right? And then new players were like, yeah, it's still Call of Duty. It's still working within the confines of what Call of Duty looks and feels like. I can just jump twice and run on a wall now. It didn't change the, it didn't fundamentally change Call of Duty. So people that were like, eh, I'm not a big fan of Call of Duty weren't won over. And longtime Call of Duty fans were like, this is garbage. What, what are we doing here? What is this? Halo 5 was trying to be like Call of Duty, right? And here's the thing. 
I'm coming at this conversation as somebody who only ever played through the Halo campaign's co-op, was never a big fan of the PvP. So I'm coming to you as someone who's like, what would make me play the game and say, this is now transcended, this is now evolved, it isn't Halo 5. People cite Halo 5, and I'm like, that's exactly the point is th- that I've been trying to make is, if, listen, either evolve it and go nuts and blow the doors off and give it the Doom Eternal treatment where it looks nothing and feels nothing like the original game, it's inspired by it, you can see the connections, but it is not at all the old game. Either go crazy or just stick to what you know. That's what I've always said. You either go nuts and completely evolve Halo and change it entirely or or just stick to classic like Halo 2, Halo 3 era. Just go back to what everybody loved. Get, go back to the ranking system that everybody thought was so superior as opposed to whatever the heck they're doing now. Go back to that as opposed to the half measure that Halo 5 was. Hmm. I had to do this but it's fair to give Halo Infinite a pass due to see C- no no we don't give it a pass because of the sicky in 2020 do you want to know why because the game was in a crisis in 2019 when they brought Joseph Staten in it was mismanaged by leadership more than le- leadership they were in a dis- we're going to get into Lono being critical of Microsoft so people can claim he's an Xbox hater. Microsoft has a corporate policy about contractual workers. And when we read the the autopsy or the postmortem on Halo Infinite from Jason Schreier at Bloomberg, we found out that half of the staff at 343 was on a contract and they were walking out the door every 18 months. That is absolutely destructive to the creative process. Multiple people that worked at 343 that are now working at like Respawn and other projects, they spoke out about how it was terrible. They were constantly losing team members, synergy, you're constantly losing institutional knowledge, you're constantly losing your team's cohesion and workflow because you're you're just flooding the place with new people while losing people that were previously there. So here's the thing. You can sit here like what Ginger's saying. It won't solve anything, Ginger. The leadership and the mismanagement's been awful. I'm glad they're gone. It isn't going to matter if you fill the building with a bunch of 18-month contractual workers again. You're going to run into the same problem. I don't care if they build the game in Unreal. I don't care if they decide to evolve the game and and make it a, a an amazing award-winning attempt. That doesn't matter. If you fill the building with people who can only work there for 18 months, the game will never be good. Ever. It's not possible. You're working against all conventional knowledge about development. You can't do that. And until that changes, there's no hope for 343 in my mind. There's no hope. You either hire a bunch of people full-time or get rid of the contract policy. Make an amendment that's like, in the case of gaming projects, contract workers can stay on for the duration uh, of the project as deemed by the HR department of said developer and at the determined time of the project end or at the determined time when post-production as defined by page 25 once post-production begins then contractual erosion begins and you get the people out of there and that's not studio leadership that's corporate policy 
And so we don't know ginger, you know, chicken or the egg, right? Was it a leadership issue or were the leaders doing the best they could with a sinking ship? If I blow holes in the side of your boat and you're like, and then I tell you, you got to try to get across the ocean now and the boat slowly the boat slowly sinks. Would you say that you were a bad captain or would you say that I set you up for failure? Like which, which would you say? All right, man, we, uh, we want you to get this boat across the ocean, but it's our policy that we have to blow holes in the side of it. Why? We don't know. It's just, it's just an old policy from, you know, the days of piracy. So we're going to blow holes in the side of your boat and you get halfway across the Atlantic and the boat sinks. Wow, what a crappy captain. That boat must have had bad leadership. No, you set him up for failure. Go to any development team off the record and be like, all right, let me ask you something. If half your staff was on a contract and had to leave every 18 months, what would that do to your production efficiency? What would that do to your quality? They'd be like, why would you do that? Well, if you're Microsoft, it's a matter of corporate policy. A nice, beautiful, one-size-fits-all, set-up-your-development-teams-for-failure situation. So everybody wants to blame 343 or 343's leadership, and I'm like, this is a Microsoft problem. You got you got Phil Spencer doing interviews. I might react to a portion of his interview today for members. Oh, uh, That's something we've been doing. Um, you got Phil Spencer talking about how it's daunting to have all this content. It's daunting to have all this stuff, and it's like, okay, well, look at what happened with Halo. Look what happened with Halo. Are you going to do that to all these studios? Are we going to have all these contract workers walking out the door every 18 months? Do you know how many people that probably is within the within the scope of projects and within the scope of all the developers that they now own? 343 is a cautionary tale. That corporate policy has got to change. There's no way around it. Halo 4, 5, and 6 issues and struggles in their TV TV tell me there's a lot of problems. And then I look at the fruit of Season 4 and Season 5, and I think the proof is in the pudding. Well, it's not 100% guaranteed that was the main issue, but if we look at the quality of the last season in Season 5, it points that issues are getting corrected. Okay. Cleaning up milk that you spilled is not an indication that you're a good chef. Like fixing problems that we brought up two years ago fixing problems that we talked about two years ago oh yeah we fixed them in season four we fixed them in season five okay does that mean you're a good chef you just you're cleaning up a mess that you made that doesn't mean like if you have bad management you have bad processes you have bad whatever and you fix problems that you created do we conclude that they're yeah man they really know what they're doing now they implemented changes that we asked for a year and a half ago we need (laughs) we need a shorts channel of just my analogies (laughs) there's another one that's right the milk one this is why I'm concerned for Call of Duty I can't imagine Call of Duty staying decent or worth playing when half the staff is a temp worker who won't be a part of the studio by the time the game ships. The issue with your point is that the chef was fired. New chef's job is to clean up the mill. Okay, that's fair pushback, Ginger. They brought in Pierre. And Pierre is the one we have to thank for the Master Chief collection. Right? Turning that around. He's a fixer. He's a fixer. From where I sit... 
the stuff that they're fixing and addressing, I, I'm not throwing confetti in the air. I'm not. It's to, to, to take the analogy all the way there, okay? The kitchen's on fire, there's cake batter on the floor, and there's milk spilled everywhere. And the new chef comes in and he cleans all that up. I'm not throwing confetti in the air. I'm saying, okay, well, now we can now we can see what you can do. You fix the things that were glaringly, obviously wrong that any anybody with any semblance of leadership or project management would have known these issues need to be addressed post-haste. Because if not, we're not going anywhere. You, you can't have... The way they set this game up as a live service game was so bad. It's like, you gotta fix those issues first. So, Pierre's a fixer. Alright, what's next? The new chef was tasked to heal a lot of old wounds uh, and personally would want to root for them but also will hold them to the fire if they stop listening. That's my point, Ginger, is it's like okay, you've come in and done exactly what needed to be done. You, you really didn't do... You really didn't have any other choice. You had to do these things. You had to rectify these problems or th- the game didn't stand a chance. My personal opinion is Halo Infinite is now a beta testing ground for the next Halo. I wonder how many people hate on No Man's Sky and Cyberpunk when they've been more than fixed, but then turn around and praise Halo Infinite for just barely fixing some of its issues two years on. Yeah, I don't know if there's a lot of uh, you know congruence there of, of people doing that, but I think Halo Infinite is now a beta. It's a beta for the next Halo. They're going to use it as a testing ground so they can test changes, updates, modes, player feedback, right? I think their biggest challenge for using it as a beta is the engine. The slip space engine is, is, is it's like an aircraft carrier. As far as I can tell, from their inability to implement basic changes like match XP <laughs> you're a multiplayer game with a battle pass and adding match XP was too difficult you had to do challenges instead couldn't separate items in the battle pass I'm sorry in the store there were modes that were broken for months why slip space engine is it's got to be bad because everything I just said and internally they were considering switching engines if you're considering switching engines when you're that far along there's got to be a problem we both were calling that issue out well before it was even out right because I said well actually my my uh my feeling before the game came out ginger I have a rant about this. My concern before the game came out was that 343 did not know the game that they wanted to build. Right? I was like, why are you doing these things? You're going to do challenges instead of XP? Nobody liked that in Titanfall 1. Why are you doing that? We called out their switch from... What what were they going to do? Threat detector? And then they went to classic radar? I think they were going to do threat detector where you would only show up on radar if like you sprint or shoot or jump and people are like no <laughs> we want classic radar so it's like I remember in the beginning being like this really really feels like you guys don't know what kind of game that you want to build there's a lack of confidence now in the community like what are you doing with this game 
and and then it shipped. How long did it take Big Team Battle? Big Team Battle was the game mode that was broken for three, four months or so. Switching engines is needed if your staff needs to learn how to use it before working on it. Well, as much as I do not like the corporate policy of 18-month contracts, an advantage to the Unreal Engine is you can find people that are adept and experienced with Unreal, so the onboarding's faster. Does that make sense? Like, if you hire somebody right now and they've never worked in slip space, well, you gotta onboard them in a variety of ways. Not only do you gotta fold them into the team and the team's processes and workflow and who they report to and what they're supposed to be working on, you gotta, you gotta basically train them on slip space. Here's how slip space operates. Here's, oh yeah, you don't know about this. This is how you work around that problem. They can come to the table and be like, oh yeah, I already know how to work in Unreal. So the onboarding is faster. I personally think they should get rid of the 18-month policy because I think Phil Spencer understands that games need to be given creative freedom and he understands that creative is important and I think he stresses that all the time. The reason I think he stresses that all the time is because he's probably privately stressing that to Microsoft. He's like, listen, we we need to be creative. We need new ideas, killer apps, experimentation. We can't do that in this environment. You, you can't have people walking out the door every 18 months. It won't work. I feel that's why he's, when he's saying something publicly like that, like he hammered in the kind of funny interview, I think he used the word creative like 18 times. I'm exaggerating, but he used it a lot. Why? When someone linguistically has like a one string banjo they keep plucking on, it's likely because he he does that in private. He's having conversations with corporate heads and executives and he's like, we have got to change this. The only way gaming flourishes is if it's creative. Our teams, he keeps talking about, he refers to the developers as creators. Our creators, we want to give them freedom. Creators, creators, creators. Every time he's talking, I feel like he's, I always think he's talking about content creators. Like, no, he's talking about the devs. I think, I think as cutthroat as he is, and as I, I, I trust him about as far as I can throw him now after seeing some emails, I think he understands that aspect of development, which Hopefully he can win that war privately with Microsoft because they just bought a whole lot of property. And if all those studios look like 343 in seven or eight years, that's bad. Was the lost potential revenue from Infinite more than tax saving from contractors during development? That answer is what will happen with the 18-month policy. Right, make an economic argument. Hey, let them stay on and pay for their freaking benefits. We're going to get better games. How much of a sinkhole of money was Halo Infinite? Was it worth it? Was it worth not paying people's benefits and letting them stay on past 18 months? <laughs> you know, like I don't I don't think so. I don't think it was. I think they doubled down on the 18-month policy. They can't keep 43 studios and 150-plus full-time devs and keep costs down unless those devs agree to make minimum wage. Just coming into the conversation, we're talking about the future of Halo because my contention is that I don't think 343 will ever 
get to a place of good production and efficiency and quality if they are not allowed to get rid of the policy where if they bring somebody on contractually, they can only stay there for 18 months. And then after that 18 months period, you can't just like do another contract with them. They have to stay away from the project and the company that cannot be rehired for six months. It's not just benefits. Employees are expensive and they're difficult to let go and requires HR structure. Because th- th- what I'm what I'm essentially saying is, is that Halo Infinite is now the testing ground for the next Halo. So if you're just tuning in, we're about an hour into the broadcast. Do me a favor. Smash that like button if you haven't already. Let's set our sights on 300 likes. If you want to talk in the chat, hit subscribe so you can be a part of the conversation. Really nice turnout today. We haven't covered Halo in a while, but... I'm going to give you a recap on what today's show is about. If you want to become a member, you get into a lot of extra content. You get into Friday night streams. You get into our Discord. Uh, I do a daily stream with members. You get badges and emotes. Five bucks gets you into all of that. Or you can gift members and provide other people with a chance to get into all that stuff and push this up. Every 25, I give five back to the community. So we are already well on our way. I already owe you guys five. So let me give you a little bit of a recap. You can do all those things while I am giving you a recap. Okay, so here's the deal. Halo Infinite Season 5 Reckoning just released. On the cusp of that release, a leak comes out from a reliable insider person called Ames. They indicated that there is a new Halo in development right now in the Unreal Engine, and internally, this is them pivoting away from Halo Infinite. This dovetails with other leaks and rumors that we have heard about certain affinity building a Halo Battle Royale. And the Halo Battle Royale is allegedly also being built in the Unreal Engine. I have put forth that the way forward would be to basically pull a Call of Duty. Have your Battle Royale separate from the main game. The main game would be a campaign. You could do annual or biannual expansions. You could still do seasons and have the classic arena PvP. The maps, the modes, forge, custom games. Give the Halo veterans what they want. And instead of feeling like you have to fight the battle of evolving Halo to appeal to new players, you would use the Battle Royale to do that. Right? You would completely separate the two. You would completely separate the two. This allows you to have a funnel, a free-to-play Battle Royale funnel, that could potentially appeal to and and onboard and get new players that are traditionally like, I don't like Halo. And then over here, the more classic, traditional experience, they could still have their esports, they could still have their classic modes and the weapons and all the things that makes, oh, I did not have live stream scrolling. Whoops. There we go. I didn't have live stream uh, chat scrolling in the Discord. Sorry about that. Um, so, so that's what I think they're, they're 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 headed toward. And on the road to doing that, I think they're going to use Halo Infinite as the testing ground for changes. If you look at the changes that they've rolled out in Halo Infinite, the new modes, right? You've got the um, you got the new King of the Hill coming sometime at this point uh, this season. You have the, I forget the name of it now. I want to say recapture, and I know that's wrong. 
I know that's not right. Uh, two new maps, updated changes like you can earn XP, uh, match XP in custom games. They're adding uh, deployable AI units in the forge. You can set up your own PVE encounters. You're going to be able to get the classic Combat Evolved Master Chief Mach 5 suit, the Mjolnir one. That's going to be coming uh, during Combined Arms. They're going to be making changes to events. One of my main criticisms of the events was you could only get things from challenges. There were only so many challenges you could do, so it would basically make it to where you couldn't just grind out the event and get all the unlocks. There was one event in particular I was like, I would sit here and grind matches and keep going if I could get the stuff. But you would hit your you would hit your allotment and be like, yeah, I gotta wait. I gotta I guess I gotta come back and play another day. So they've made changes to that. They're no longer calling them events, they're calling them operations. So, Solemn says, most of those 18-month temporary contractors are likely brought on just for that game. Microsoft probably doesn't want any or most of them as permanent employees, nor do I think it would be financially feasible. Well, there's no way to know whether or not it's financially feasible, Solemn, because they replaced those 18-month contracted employees with another one. So, have them be contractual for the duration of the project. I've spoken to two different people in the development world about this. They don't like being a contract worker. They're constantly dangled the potential of full-time employment, and then it doesn't happen. But they stay for the duration of the project. So let's call a guy Teddy. And Teddy comes to work on Halo Infinite. And after about a year, he's hitting a pretty good rhythm. He's making good changes. He likes his team. He knows what's expected of him. He's there on time. He's doing good work. You lose everything he's learned. All of his knowledge, all of his insight, his experience. It all walks out the door with him and a cardboard box when 18 months hits and he has to leave. Let him stay for the duration of the project. Determine some shippable date time when those contracted employees are then walked to the door is that great well it's not great for teddy because now he's got to go look for another job but at least he stayed there for two or three or four or five years and was able to invest in something and then the quality of the game would go up because there's a lot of teddies at the company there's a lot of people in the situation that he was in Another one will probably minimal pay, likely, and no benefits being paid out. If they kept most of them permanently, they would likely have to pay them more. Right, and I just out... You're not engaging with what I'm saying. Either because it's stream delay or because you don't want to. Most contractual employees that I have spoken with, they stay for the duration of the project. They're not a permanent employee. A lot of the times, your QA department is 12-month contracted employees because you only need them at the tail end of the project once post-production hits, basically. That's different, right? That's, that's, that's a determined amount of time where we need you for QA. Here's our ship date. Here's how long we need you for QA and testing. QA and testing is oftentimes not even contracted anymore. It's outsourced. They just send it to some other company. This is where... Some of the leaks happen. Leaks happen with uh, QA companies. Leaks happen with marketing companies because they send the marketing company a bunch of B-roll 
ship dates and details so they can put together a trailer and you know there's an intern in the corner and he takes a picture so the the QA thing is very very common but there's also engineers and developers that I've spoken with where they're like yeah no contracted work sucks but at least they're on for the duration of the project imagine trying to build a building and instead of keeping contracted workers on for the duration of building the building, you were like, all right, guys, it's been 18 months and I don't want to pay benefits, so you all have to leave. Now I got to rehire a bunch of people and go through background checks and employee onboarding and get you added to the email system. And Jack over there is going to get you guys a key fob for your emails. And then HR is going to send you a package that you, we got drug tests. We got, we got to get your insurance, not your insurance set up. No, you guys are contract workers. You suck. You don't get insurance. We've got to get our own insurance set up just in case you get hurt on the job. We got to get you processed in the tax department as well we got to make sure you're payable we need to make sure that you're you know you're filing properly we're going to do all this all over again because we don't want to pay the previous group of people health benefits we've had the conversation in the past about are they focused on quantity or quality at xbox would microsoft as a whole be willing to eat those added costs for a slightly improved product doesn't seem their focus this is what's odd to me They are all about losing money to be successful. Well, Microsoft, freaking do it. Do it. Keep contracted workers on past 18 months. Pay them benefits. And if you lose money along the way, you don't seem to have any problem doing that with acquisitions in Game Pass. Well, do it with Halo. Pay your people. Keep them on. You see what I'm saying? They have no problem losing money. Jalen says, as a game developer in study, the Slipspace engine might be the most garbage, counterintuitive engine I've ever used by a mile. Well, I, it, 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 I knew it was bad when they were entertaining the idea of switching from it. <laughs> what year was that when they were doing that? be fair minus the hr stuff says parasito a lot of the onboarding process is automated these days or at least it can be the biggest road bump is bringing people up to speed on the in-house workflows right parasito think about that think about the fact that somebody doesn't hit their maximum efficiency as a developer as a contracted developer at your company let's say they hit maximum efficiency after they've been there for three months that's three months of you not getting your money's worth out of them What do you think they do the last three months they're there? Do you think you're getting 100% from them? You think you're getting their best work? No, they're looking for another job. So you're literally bookending every 18 months, shave six months off of that. You're basically getting one year of good work out of them. Your first three months, you're getting them acclimated to the systems. You're getting them up to speed. They're not at maximum efficiency. They're not at full efficiency until, let's say, three months in. And the final three months, you think they're giving you their best? Three months is blazingly fast. I'd argue six on average. Right, I'm being generous. At like three months in, they're at maximum efficiency. They get it. They know. They know what they're doing. They got it all down. Eugene says he's not asking them to be hired on. 
Yeah, I'm not asking them to be hired on. Even if they hired these people on, do you realize how many people they lay off outside of the temp workers? And by that, I mean all these large game companies. They would like most likely get laid off anyway. I'm not... I am not talking about bringing them on full-time. I've said it really slow multiple times to drive home the point. The contracted workers that I have spoken to stay on for the duration of the project. If I say it any slower, I'm going to have to spell it like a cheerleader. They're still a contracted worker. They're not a full-time employee. They have not been hired on. There is no need to lay them off. Per the terms of the contract, they're there for the duration of the project. So if, if the game takes four or five years to make, they're there for that long. That's... You're going to get a better game. (laughs) You're going to get a better game. And I want Halo. I want 343 to be set up with that. Yo, what's good, Broken Lobo? They need to be set up for success. You're not set up for success under the current setup. Under the current setup, it's a rotating door. Why is this so... Why is it so small? Oh, man. Uh, YouTube. Did, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Chrome did something. But my images are so small. So you're saying just pay them benefits and they will give you better work, maybe slightly, but doubtfully enough for the matter. You excel in not engaging with what I'm saying. That's like, that, like when C3PO says, oh, he excels at that. If someone was like, you know, Solemn doesn't really engage with what you're saying. I'd be like, yeah, he excels at that. That's n- I didn't say that. When they know they're only going to be there for 18 months, they're not a maximum efficiency employee for the first three to six months. They're not. They're learning. They're getting acclimated. They're being trained. They're being onboarded. They're figuring out the rough edges of your engine. They're figuring out what Jack likes and what Susie likes and how he can fit in with the team, okay? He's not a maximum efficiency employee for, I said, three months. So at three months in, you're getting maximum efficiency out of this guy. And then I said, what do you think you get from him his last three months? I didn't say anything about benefits. I said, the last three months, what do you think you're getting out of him? He's looking for a new job. He knows that in three months, I'm out of here. I'm on an 18-month contract. I cannot stay. They will not re-up my contract. They will not hire me. I'm done in three months. What do you think you get from an army of employees that know in three months I'm out of here? What are you going to get from them? You're going to get their best work? Think like a human being that's had a job before. Once you've lined up a new job, once you've determined you're quitting, once you've determined it's time to find a new job, do you give that job your all? Do you show up on time? Do you give them your best work? Or do you start phoning it in? Think about that at a mass scale. Think about having Hundreds of employees doing that. Huns. They're interwoven throughout the entire company. And they all know, I'm done in a couple of months. I'm just I'm just cattle. and I'm just a cog in a machine. You bring me in for 18 months, and then I'm out the door. 
with no chance of, of, of longevity. Like, also, consider this. They sign NDAs a lot of the time. So they can't even put on their resume that they worked on Halo Infinite because a lot of the time the game hasn't been announced yet. So they can't go shop themselves around on LinkedIn or what have you and say, hey, I I worked for 18 months on the next Halo game. They can't do that. Now they might be able to say, I worked for 18 months at 343. How much investment do you get from somebody who's like, I'm not even going to get to see this project to the finish line. They, They don't even get to see the project to the finish line. Man, I really hope this game's great. I worked here for 18 months and, uh, you know, I built some maps and I'm gone. Eugene says, the reason Microsoft has this policy is because they previously misclassified people that should have been employees as contractors. Misclassification like that happens because they treated contractors as employees. Example, directly controlling their day-to-day, forcing them to come into the office. That's a big no-no. So they implement a policy like this to get around those limits legally. They want to treat their contractors as employees without having to hire them as much. The easy way around this is to treat contractors as contractors, but Microsoft wants to control their day-to-day, wants to force them into the office, wants to force them to follow company policies. This is how they continue to do this. This is more valuable to them than the products they create. Yes, but if they kept them on with no breaks to avoid benefits to try to get better work... They would then have to pay them those benefits by law, and clearly they value the money they save more than those people's talent if they were working the whole time, which is exactly why you're setting 343 up for failure yet again if the policy doesn't change. That's the point. Is that if the policy doesn't change, we can sit here and talk about the future of Halo all we want about the future of Halo all we want it's not going to matter if they're back in the same scenario in 4 or 5 years where no cohesion of staff no cohesion of vision and project management just a churn and burn rotating door of come on in welcome to the team bye come on in welcome to the team there's cake in the break room it's Ted's last day come on in welcome to the team just that's ridiculous. Everything we know about development, there's no way, there's no way a project can flourish under those conditions. Not possible. They might net, they might net some quality and some improvement by switching to Unreal because they can hire people who will onboard more efficiently because they're already familiar with Unreal as opposed to not just having to be onboarded to your team and your and your project manager, but you got to be onboarded to the actual tools themselves. Well, you don't have to do that as much. They would still need to be onboarded to the Unreal you know tool set that they'd be using and the work that they'd be doing, but they would be far more efficient at a faster pace. You don't have to have contractors on breaks if you treat them as contractors are supposed to be treated legally. They only have this break policy because they want to treat contractors like employees. Yeah, do all these other companies that use contractors for longer than 18 months, do they have to pay them benefits? It isn't a matter of either or. 
Just treat your contractors like contractors under the law, and you can have contractors on board for 10 years plus at a time. So could they do that, Eugene, and not pay benefits? The question is, why do they value it more? Maybe they've already analyzed it's worth it to do it this way. You suggested and decided it's not better. I'll tell you why they decided to do it this way, Solemn. Because it works in software. It doesn't work in creative. It works in software. You can churn and burn contract employees like that, like it's nobody's business when they're working on Microsoft Office or an operating system. Even then, does Microsoft have a great track record of web browsers and operating systems? Look at the litany of terrible launches of operating systems and browsers. Do they have a great history of quality? No. They're brute force big spenders. They don't have a history of quality with the software that they put out. They're actually kind of bad at it. Gee, I wonder why. Because they take a corporate sized approach to it. Just jam it through. We'll fix it later. Just launch Windows ME. Just Just launch Windows Vista. We'll fix it later. I mean, there's endemic inefficiencies in our corporate policies that consistently has us churning people out the door every 18 months that's likely hurting our vision transfer and our, our ability to bring something to market equality. But yeah, who cares? Just jam it out there. We're the biggest anyway. Well, what else are you going to use as your operating system? You're going to try to figure out Linux? And just shove it through? Fix it later. And the shove-it-through, fix-it-later, one-size-fits-all corporate approach is one of the biggest contributing factors to 343's failures. And until people look at that straight-faced and say, man, I like Phil Spencer and I like Xbox, but Microsoft is a problem. Until you see that, you're going to keep getting Windows ME video games. Just shove it out and we'll fix it later. This means allowing them to work when they want, not forcing them into the office, not micromanaging their day-to-day, but Microsoft doesn't want to do that. They want the benefit of an employee of employee control without the cost. <sighs> the worst part is they're one of the richest companies in the world and they want to skimp on benefits for its employees by not making them full-time and keep them on contracts. Eugene's saying it's more complex than that. If Valve gets Proton working on a larger scale than gaming, which I think they very, very well do, Windows should be terrified. Wicked says, I'm a contract worker for customer service. It's not ideal. Microsoft is being cheap. There's no other way to look at it. I really need to know the ratio of employee to contract employees at 343 because if they have 400 employees and 45 are contracted, Jake, we have it as a matter of record, in my opinion. The people at the company told Jason Schreier that half of the staff was on a contract. Half. I think the phrase was almost half. So let's say you have 400 employees. If 175 of them are on a contract, and every 18 months, those people are leaving. And they don't all leave at once. One month, you lose 20 people. Another month, you lose 10 people. Another month, you lose 30 people. And you're always just, all right, new people bye bye Ted welcome new Ted like 
almost half that's absolutely insane can't be fact and opinion that's an oxymoron are you speaking to me I'm taking it as a matter of fact. The, the, the people speaking to Schreier were not making things up. Like, oh yeah, it's about half. I counted on my toes and my fingers. He speaks to people. He speaks to people anonymously, and they give him the goods. And there were people that were working at the company at the time that are now at Respawn that were basically corroborating it publicly. They're like, it was freaking terrible. Why is this an excuse for devs now? Explain to me why it's not an excuse for devs. Like I said with my boat analogy, if I give you a boat and I want you to sail across the Atlantic and I say, sorry guys, it's a matter of corporate policy that I got to blow holes in the side of the boat. And then you get halfway across the ocean and you just can't keep up with the water intake and the boat sinks. Then somebody's like, well, the causality was the holes in the boat. Well, yes, of course, but there was staff. They could have bailed the water faster, you know? They didn't need to sleep or eat. Just keep bailing the water out. Must have been a pretty bad captain. Must have been pretty bad leadership. I think I think this is on the developers. Like, what? Read the first part of the message. Uh, how long has this been Microsoft's policy? We have not always considered all their games bad, so what's so different now? What's the best era of first-party Xbox titles? What's the era when they were their best? And what titles are they? Because this this has been in place since... When they put this policy in place, Eugene? Like 15 years ago? It was like 15 years ago they were sued over this. People need to see the dividing line here. I am wailing on Microsoft for 343's sake for Halo's sake and you should be doing the same you you should be wailing on the corporation not the developers they probably love it they're like yeah (laughs) nobody knows it's our fault everybody thinks it's the developers fault isn't this great talking about a company that fired 10,000 people just to bump their stock prices and only 3 months later they re-added all the same roles 360 era was the best. Okay. Three sixty era. All their best games were Bungie and Epic. Companies that were relatively independent of Microsoft structures. What's your mic? It's a Shore SM seven B. Shore SM seven B. I have it going through a cloud lifter and then a Yamaha analog mixer, and then a Focusrite preamp. Eighty percent of modern gaming is bad. Do you think it's because of independent contractors? Your stat is completely made up. Eighty percent of modern gaming is bad. What are you talking about? According to who? You? What'd you do? Did you just add up all the games you didn't like in the last? Five months? What do you mean 80% of modern gaming is bad? Substantiate that stat. 80%? Pack it up and go home, boys. The comment about laying off and re-adding the roles is incorrect. 
Yeah, I didn't see them re-adding the roles. Where are you getting that? They did all the layoffs, and then I didn't see any mass hiring at Microsoft. And the layoffs were... of the new Steam games are bad. Steam's flooded with trash indies. Oh, the frick what? You you think that is... You think that is representative of of the gaming industry? You think modern gaming is bad because, you know, World Wars... World War Zombie on Steam for $5 is doing poorly? Like, you think that's indicative of the market that... There's a there's an insane amount of quantity of games that hit Steam built by one person, you know, that never gets an update or a patch. That's that has nothing. To, that's not representative of the of the modern gaming market. I will substantiate it for you. Eighty percent of the game he probably has not even played aren't the kind of games that he likes. Sorry, initial lawsuit and loss was 2000, and then in 2009, appeals finally got to court, and the appeals court ruled against Microsoft. Microsoft loses in 2009. So, yeah, 14 years ago. Mofo doesn't play indies. Who doesn't play indies? The guy in chat? Companies have to do these layoffs even uh, after record sales to maintain their impression of infinite growth. Almost all the big boys do this, not new. Yeah, I don't think the layoffs are are an indication of problem for Xbox because there, if you looked at the amount of hiring that Microsoft did in 20, I think it was 2019, 2020, and even 2021, they basically rode the, the global situation bubble that a lot of tech sectors did and they just had too many people at the end. So their layoffs that we saw early this year were merely a reverberation of the hiring that they had done a couple of years prior. So they went crazy and hired a bunch of people. So the layoffs looked disproportionate. Like, I'm not defending Microsoft by any stretch, but you have to contextually look at the layoffs that they did in relation to the hiring that they did a couple of years prior. Well, Sony didn't lay off as many people. Sony didn't hire a fraction of the number of people that Microsoft as an entire conglomerate Microsoft hired a, a massive amount of people from 2019 to 2021 I believe was the window of time where they had a crazy surge of hiring and naturally that bubble always bursts and they lay a bunch of people off that's not uncommon I mean you can you can say it's greedy you can say they're terrible but it's like they provided a bunch of people with jobs for two years like get the frick over it like 80% of modern AAA gaming is bad. Substantiate that. Do it. Add up all the AAA games that launched this year and, and demonstrate to me that 80% of them, the vast majority, are bad. Do it. Stack them all up. Stack up all their scores, their critical acclaim, their commercial success, and substantiate that 80%, the vast majority of AAA games that launched this year are bad. My man Skatenator bumps the gifted member line to 27. 
well not just a gifted member line anybody can move this line by becoming a member thank you so much for doing that skaternator Starfield was utter trash. I wouldn't say Starfield was utter trash. I would say that Starfield was 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 middling. It was disappointing. It wasn't utter trash. It was, it was a disappointing game. Microsoft hired tons. Imagine if GTA had twelve. 12- Hundred staff and GTA Six only sold a million. They'd be firing workers faster than you can say Lono, right? You know, you clarified AAA games, not just modern games. Huge difference. The majority of AAA games are garbage. Okay, so what you're doing, Darren, is called speaking in sweeping generalizations, and. The broader the statement, the more significant amount of evidence that you need. So if I made like a really broad statement and I said, most of the people in Kentucky don't like bourbon. Like, whoa, that doesn't sound right to me. Well, the broader the statement, the more significant amount of data and evidence I would need to support that. I would need to show you significant amount of data, research, surveys to say the population of Kentucky has spoken. And here's all the verifiable data and research information. And I, most of the people in Kentucky don't like bourbon. See how broad it is? I'm saying most. I'm saying people. I'm including children. Right? I'm... I'm including people who can't even drink bourbon, right? So it's this really stupid, broad statement. So it's it's plat it's like a platitude. It's like it, I'm not really saying anything. Kentucky boys love our bourbon. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm saying something that's probably pretty much obviously false, but I'm also saying something that would require a significant amount of evidence to prove. So if you're going to say most of AAA games are garbage, okay, substantiate that. Why are you saying that? What has, what has led you to this conclusion? What is it? Where are all these garbage AAA games? Where are they? It's one of the best years in gaming in like the last 15 years. Eugene says they were fighting for almost 20 years. That's how valuable this policy is. It was worth a 20-year court battle to try to continue to be able to misclassify their labor. Yo, what's good, Ghost in the Garage? Don't you talk about my bourbon. I have been really enjoying, uh, my wife loves Woodford. I've been enjoying Old Forester. It's got a real good smoky aftertaste. It's really good. <clears throat> Just the standard uh, Old Forester, not the... They have the Prohibition version, which is a, the ABV is a little too high. Silly Lono, children aren't people. Thank you for the $5 super chat tip, Alex. Most Xbox games this gen have come out incomplete. You can substantiate that claim. See, that's a claim that you can substantiate. You can add up. You can add up all of the first party Xbox games and you can measure the completeness of them. Bugs, glitches, patches, missing features. Have you tried Buffalo Trace? No. 
My wife will not let me bring non-Kentucky bourbon into the home. I bought Tennessee bourbon once, and she was like, don't you ever do that again. (laughs) It's not that serious, but yeah, we stick to the Kentucky bourbon, so I don't know if Buffalo Trace... Is Buffalo Trace Kentucky, or is it Tennessee? Maker's Mark is fine. Maker's Mark is, 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 is a passable bourbon. There's nothing exceptional about it, but... I think I think Woodford has the the best taste because it's got like a sweetness to it, very very balanced. Hey, can we get three hundred likes on the video, guys? Plenty of people here. Smash that like button. It helps out the video. Uh, you can if you want to talk in chat and contribute to the conversation about Halo, the future of three four three. We have kind of gotten down into the weeds of you know employees and contracts because because I think that is so pivotal to the success of three four three and Halo going forward. Thank you, Jazzification, for 16 months and a VIP. I think one of the reasons I've been sort of miscategorized as an Xbox hater is I don't like Microsoft. Like, so when I'm sitting here, like, wailing on Microsoft, it's because I'm looking at 343 and Halo and thinking, oh, you guys are setting this team up. You're setting this property up. You're setting it up for failure. It's not the developer's fault. It's Microsoft's fault. And if you can't see that dividing line, you just think, yep, he's just bashing on Xbox. It's Sony Pony. It's like, no. I'm I'm dying for like a rhythm of excellent games on that platform. And I'm looking at other studios like Ninja Theory. And I'm terrified. And I'm looking at, you know half the people leaving that were working on Perfect Dark and creative directors leaving every other week and I'm like thinking you gotta make a change you gotta make a change oh Buffalo Trace is in Frankfurt okay I'll try out Buffalo Trace next thank you for the recommendation Metacritic has 75 games ranked 75 or higher out of an estimated 15,000 games released in 2023 from AAA to Indies. You are hating, though? How? Explain to me how I'm hating. Did you watch the show opening monologue where I said Halo Infinite Season 5 seems to be making great changes? That switching to a new engine would put them into a great position, how they could pull a Call of Duty and separate this alleged battle royale and the main game to satisfy the veterans, but to also experiment and expand into new horizons and get new players. Was that hating when I said that? You're not worried about PlayStation and Naughty Dog? What do you mean? Where have I expressed concern about things that PlayStation and Naughty Dog are doing? If you're talking about the layoffs... I literally just a few moments ago said that the layoffs at Microsoft aren't as concerning as people made them because they did such a disproportionate amount of hiring comparatively to other companies in 2019 to 2021. Were you here for that? Or are you just presuming like everybody else that calls me a hater presumes? Were you there for any of that? Or are you just here to to spew stuff that isn't true? What Again, what have I said? The question I asked you was... What have I said that's hating on 343 or Halo as I've defended them for the last hour? Substantiate your claim about me. It shouldn't be difficult. Hate is a very strong thing. It should be easy to pinpoint pieces of evidence that I have been hating on Halo or hating on 343. Just came in? Then shut the frick up. With no respect earned, shut the frick up. 
you're going to walk in here and take a seat. And the first thing you're going to say is, you are hating though. Substantiate your claim then. Do it. I've been streaming for an hour and 42 minutes. So you come in and you're like, yeah, hour and 42 minutes in. You are hating though. It's your tone. What, my tone now as I'm scolding somebody who said something that wasn't true? Is that tone too harsh for you? I don't have Twitter. I didn't say anything about Twitter. You came into the conversation and said, you are hating though. Substantiate your claim. It shouldn't be difficult to do. Oh, oh, you just got here. So your claim is just something that you decided to say. It's not based on anything. What kind of empty-headed nonsense is that? You, you you literally walked in the room and just said you are hating? What what? Why would you say that? What you just that, that you just what you thought that was gonna be what? Like a contribution to the conversation? I'm a diehard Halo fan and nothing Lono has been saying is hating. That's what I'm saying. Like, you, you you, just came in. Why would you just They make that the first thing that you say? That doesn't even make any sense, bro. My bad. I was responding to chat. <laughs> so, hang on. You said you are hating, though. Who were you talking to? Everybody in chat's talking about bourbon. Prior to you saying that, everybody in chat is talking about bourbon. (laughs) What? That doesn't even make any sense. Chat wasn't talking about Halo. Chat wasn't talking about Halo Infinite Season 5. (laughs) you know what's funny you know what's funny is the reason I immediately drilled down on it is because you're all the same you just come in and say that thinking yeah (laughs) I'm gonna get him he's just hating and it's like wait wait whoa what are you talking about what did I say that's hating and you're like well well, I just got here well then why would you say that I I was just talking to chat no you sound to me like a cowardly NPC who comes in and says something canned and false because that's just what you think you're supposed to say. And when you're pressed on it and said, well, give me an example of what I have said that's hateful. To, oh, I just got here. Well, then I ask, why would you say that? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, I was talking to chat. Okay, well, that tracks because you came in and said I was hating, which isn't true. And now you're saying, well, you were talking to chat. I believe that also isn't true. Dishonesty is not a respectable character trait. It isn't. Be a better person. It's really easy to be honest. You just come in and don't say something that's false. You know? The people from Philadelphia are Phoenicians. You know what I'm saying? Halo 2 is legendary. How recently have you played Halo 2? 
Like, when you go back to them, Darren, do you still feel like they're legendary? I I struggle with that. If I go back to, to games from, like, my childhood, like GoldenEye, they, uh, they released that GoldenEye version or whatever on Xbox. And I didn't last very long. I was like, eh. <laughs> it's a it's a fun trip down memory lane, but I can't like I feel like Halo guys can always go back. I I don't I don't know what it is, but like I go back to some of those older games. I'm like ah, I just can't do it. It just doesn't hit like it once did. Your opinion, Halo Reach is the best. Halo Two still holds up. Halo Combat Evolved, no. I actually just recently ran through all the campaigns. To me, the writing holds up to this day. Yeah. There is something about Halo. People can always go back and they're like, nope, yep, still holds up. I feel like other games, that just isn't true. You go back to some older games, I don't think they hold up as well. I think you and I have talked about this before. There's that weird window of time when 3D was new and those games just don't play well now. But classics on the SNES... That, you know what? I think that's true. I think that's true. I think when you go back to more classic games like platformers and stuff, they do. They do hold up a little bit better because especially when you go like late gen Nintendo 64 um, or I'm sorry, late gen Super Nintendo. It's like that was like the best of a platformer you're going to get, you know? GoldenEye was pretty crap. Did you see the recent story that Rare put the multiplayer in without permission and that's what led to the game's massive success? Isn't that crazy? That they didn't even know, they weren't even like given permission to do it. They just did it. They just threw it in. That's nuts. That changed the course of history in gaming. And it was like, yeah, we're not even really given permission to do this, but we're going to do it. Alex is the $5 tip. I broke out my Nintendo 64 a few years back. GoldenEye is nigh unplayable. Also, thank goodness for dual joysticks. Oh, yeah, because back then you only had the one. You had to use the white, I'm sorry, the yellow D-pad to, like, do certain movements. The area you're talking about, the 5th and 6th gen, most of those games are rough. Yeah. It's a preference thing. Like, I love to go back and play a, you know go I love to go back and play an old game but the, the the trip down memory lane very quickly turns into ah this isn't hitting like I remembered it hitting the music you're like oh the music you know Fortnite and Rocket League did that too what do you mean Oh, just did something. Yeah, Rocket League was like just something fun they had on the shelf for themselves from... It was one of the Unreal tournaments that had the game with the ball. I forget the name of it. There was an Unreal tournament game mode where you had like a ball and you had to like put it in a goal. And they basically took some of the vehicles because Unreal tournament had great vehicles and they made like a little soccer game and it like sat on a shelf for years. And then Fortnite just like on a whim, they were like, what if we let people play Battle Royale? Who did it? Yeah, it was only a matter of time, Eugene. I, I didn't think they were going to be able to hold on to that 91. 
That 90 should be pretty strong, though. That 90 should be pretty strong. Somebody would have had to have given it... It's probably another... Um, probably another 80 hit would be my assumption. Right? My assumption is that somebody dropped it. Somebody dropped an 80 on it and, and pulled Spidey, Spidey down. Yeah. What's today? The 18th? If you sort it by... Isn't there a way to sort by... Recently added. It's not showing me recently added. That's weird. It just shows It shows the 15th. That's not right. Something's weird. The 129th did it. It's not showing right now. I go to recently added and it's not showing up. Um... Oh, filter by platform. Only 122 are in there right now. So there are seven that are currently not showing, maybe? Yeah, I can't find any any reviews on the 18th. Can't find it. It's probably just another 80. Nobody's given it a score below 80. Found the culprit. You playing live Friday? Yes. Yeah. We'll have to decide exactly what Friday is going to look like. I I probably won't be able to do... I don't know if I'll be able to do the show with Mike or not. Because I'm tempted to play Spider-Man for, you know, two and a half hours or so. And then play Super Mario Wonder. Having both of those games with gameplay on my my channel over the weekend would probably be a really smart play. Because... Not only am I extremely looking forward to those games, but they look awesome and they're scoring incredibly well. IndieWire gave it an 83. Okay. I mean, that doesn't bother me. I, there are people that are going to play that game and give it an 80, 85, somewhere in that ballpark. You know, I I, I, I said, go. I want to I go back and find the clips. I said, Spider-Man will land in the low 90s. I said, it's going to struggle to hold on to that. Because there are people that just don't give superhero games high scores. They don't. To them, the best or a good, you know, the best or a good superhero game is going to land in the 80s. What's that? One mixed review for, oh, that's for um, Super Mario Wonder, a 70. They're the only one. 72 reviews and one mixed. From Digital Spy. Yeah, Wonders at like a 90-something too. Mm-hmm. Great year for gaming. Great year. Mario Wonder only has 76 reviews. It'll keep climbing. They had 40 this morning, so it's already almost doubled. When I woke up this morning and checked Mario Wonder, it had like 41. So they've almost hit 80. They've almost doubled the review count. Give it to the end of the day. It's a it's a Nintendo game. I don't think they're like keeping the review count down. It's at 77, so their reviews are coming in throughout the day. It could be a global thing too. Have the Japanese outlets all published their reviews, you know, because of because of time zone differences and stuff.
Is it too early to discuss Game of the Year contenders? No, we'll do a whole show on that, though. I think that'll be a fun debate. Because there's nothing left after Spider-Man Major, is there? Is there anything major coming out after Spidey that I'm forgetting? There's something in November, isn't there? Alan Wake. Alan Wake 2 is November, isn't it? I think that's... Is that the last big title this year? There's so many freaking games. It's, it's honestly hard to remember. Halo Uncertain. Yeah, so let me give you guys a bit of a recap. Yeah, Avatar is still coming too. That's right. I don't think Avatar is going to get any nominations, but Alan Wake probably will. Um, I don't think Alan Wake will get a Game of the Year nomination, but it'll certainly get nominations for certain elements because it looks very, very good. Uh, like a Dragon still coming too. That's also true. Forgot about that one. Okay, let me give you a bit of a recap. I feel like Halo uh, Mario RPGs next year. Halo's future no wait mario R- i keep messing that up mario rpg is this year it's the mario donkey kong game that's next year sorry my apologies i keep messing that up like i said there's too many games um i don't think phantom liberty will be eligible outside of like uh, expansions and dlc or whatever yeah ghost runner 2 is also coming too many freaking christmas uh golly yeah modern warfare 3 is still coming it won't it's not gonna get anything because I, I, I don't think it's gonna score well We'll see if I if I if I reign true there. Halo Super Fire right now. Yes, that's why I think Halo's future is uncertain. Uh, Louis uh, Louis Castillo. Here's 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 where I see it. Halo Infinite Season Five just started. Right before Halo Infinite Season Five started, there was a rumor, a leak from a notable insider. Ains said that they are currently working on the next Halo already in Unreal. and they're pivoting away from Halo Infinite congruent with this is also now information that the certain affinity game the Battle Royale game that they're working on is also in Unreal and it is my contention that they're going to be using Halo Infinite as like a testing ground beta for the next game the reason I say the future is uncertain is I questioned whether or not they could or should pull a Call of Duty, separate the Battle Royale like Warzone is separated, and have like your annual release Halo. I think there's good and bad that comes from that. Your classic annual, biannual expansions, DLCs, Halo seasons, you could have the classic arena experience over here, maintaining the modes, the maps, and the feel of traditional Halo for your classic long-standing veteran fans. And then the Battle Royale could sort of be where you go crazy. Abilities, movement speed, all sorts of stuff to try to capture the new players, the players that don't vibe with Halo. It would essentially allow them to do the two things that I've been saying they need to do. It's really hard to please the veterans and the hardcore fans when you try to iterate and evolve. My contention is that Halo 5 didn't go far enough. So they ended up making the veterans mad and they didn't appeal to new people. People were like, yeah, it's still basically Halo. They're not necessarily correct, but they're speaking as somebody who's not really a fan of Halo. They played Halo 5 and said, this is still basically Halo. I believe Halo 5 was a half measure that only managed to make the veterans mad. It didn't actually capture new people. So a great way of solving this problem of capturing new people and keeping the veterans happy, keeping the hardcore, you know, keeping your core base fans happy is you separate the two. You pull a Call of Duty. 
So that's why I say their future is uncertain. It's like the reason we got stuck on the contract policy and 343's ability to, you know, crank out quality underneath Microsoft's policies. The reason we got stuck on that is I'm pro 343. Like I'm pro Halo. I'm like anti-Microsoft. That's where I think a lot of people misunderstand like where I land on these subjects. They just think, well, this guy just hates Xbox. He just hates Halo. And it's like, no, I actually am in their corner. Before Halo came out, I said, there's just something about Halo. I said, this this is a game that can really turn things around. This is a game that could bring esports, you know, the arena back to esports. I was actually really excited when Joseph Staten got involved. Um, so I've consistently felt that the major problem is that if 343 wants to transcend and evolve Halo and have a successful BR and, and, you know, bring the game to Unreal successfully, I think they need to change the corporate policy at Microsoft. So that's kind of the bulk of what we've talked about. Doesn't Microsoft own MLG now? I'm not sure. When did you start playing Halo? I played the original Halo in college on the um, the old school Xbox when they discovered they could use the Ethernet ports in the in the dorms and network the network the Xboxes. So I played PvP with those guys. I remember playing the campaigns of almost all of the games. I would play the campaigns co-op with somebody like my... I played through one of them with my sister. I played through one of them with a friend of mine. Um, I, went, I went back and tried to play through them all with my wife and I just couldn't do it. I don't, I don't have a nostalgic... I don't have a nostalgic connection to Halo because I came from the PC world. And in the PC world, I cut my teeth on Quake 2. Well, one of the first PC games I ever played was Wolfenstein 3D. Um, and then the other one was... I want to say Spaceman Spiff, and I know that's wrong. That's Calvin Hobbes. Um, there was another shooter at the time. It was like Wolfenstein 3D. It was spacey, futuristic aliens. Oh, I can't remember the name. It's on the tip of my tongue. I went from that to Quake 2. I would play Quake 2 on like East Coast servers against my friends in the morning. And then I went to Quake 3. Then I went to Quake 3 Rocket Arena. No, not Doom. Doom would not be on the tip of my tongue. There was another game at the time like Wolfenstein 3D that had like... You were like in you were like a spaceman. Ugh, what's his name? Marathon... No. Mein Leben, that's right. My life. It's not Duke Nukem. It's not Marathon. It's not Half Life. It's it's a name like Spaceman Spiff. It's something like that. It's uh oh my gosh, oh, what was it called? That's gonna drive me crazy. Was it Blake Stone? Yes, that was it. Blake Stone, Aliens of Gold. Yes, thank you. You guys remember this game? Remember this game? Blakestone Aliens of Gold. So I played this. So this was after Wolfenstein 3D. This was an Apogee game. Uh, after this, it was Rise of Triad. 
uh, rise of rise of rise of the triad, rot, uh, then quake two, then quake three, then unreal tournament, then call of duty. Now I say all that to say when I played halo, I felt like it was geriatric in comparison to all those games. They were so much faster. PC was just so much faster paced. Yo, the bright side gifts a member. We are two away from a layup. If you guys get it to 30, you can tempt some of the big boys to drop one down to 50. We are so, we are inching so much closer to the next big goal of 2,500. We have 2,300 members and you guys are pushing it. Right now, I owe you five. Every 25, I have to give five back to the community. So if we hit 50, I will owe you guys 10. Uh, let's see where we are right now. Total, yeah, twenty three oh one. Um, so that's one of the reasons that I don't have a strong nostalgic attachment to Halo. Because when I first played Halo, I was like, "This just feels slow." Unreal Tournament just felt superior. It was faster. The vehicles were cooler. The weapons were cooler. Brown Excellence gifts a member. It didn't show up in the chat, but it did show up in the chat. That's so weird. That happened yesterday with Angry Pete. One away from the layup. Alex with the five spot. Not to age you, Lono, but I played the original Halo when I was 10 when it released. Oh, yeah, I was much older than you. Haven't gifted in a minute. Thank you, Brown Excellence, for gifting. The next one is the layup at 30. Thank you so much. Cool thing about Wolf 3D was that it was just all tiles and sprites. With the Ted Tile Editor program, some correctly sized JPEGs, you could make an entire new game, hence Blake Stone. Ah. Wait, did you do another one or is that the original? There it is. That's another one. Thank you so much for doing that. We'll see. That is such a such an easy score, such a nice layup. Thank you so much. 30 out of 50. We'll see if we can get a 20. Uh, a single from the bright side. Sorry, Brown Excellence beat you to the 30 layup, and it goes to Eric Clark. Thank you guys so much. A little bit of a member train going on. Let me get the uh let me get the premiere set up. Um set as a premiere. And I always set it for tomorrow so nobody gets the 30-minute noty. Uh ambient save. Let me let me try something here. Infinite hit 16 months. Need bourbon recommendations. I always would start my recommendation with Woodford Reserve, I think is the best. I've been enjoying Old Forester. Um Yeah, those are the two I would recommend. People in chat could recommend more, but those are the two that I would recommend. <clears throat> the quality of Baldur's Gate 3 is extremely rare. I mean, I don't think I would disagree with that. Uh, what are we doing here? PlayStation PC games debrief. I got an upload for you guys today uh, about... Are they blurring the line with PlayStation PC games? Brown Excellence, it's nine months of memberships. Best nine months on this channel. It's time to upgrade to the next tier now. Yes, Member Plus gets you into the writer's room. And we did a whole new segment yesterday that only Member Pluses got to see. And that's all I'm going to say. You're, I'm going I'm I'm to leave that, leave that kind of dangling there for you. 
Yeah, I like the bullet bourbon. I think I tried that one. Knob Creek, Buffalo Trace. Yeah, somebody was recommending Buffalo Trace earlier. I'm going to try that one. Um, edit the premiere. There we go. Save. That's set for tomorrow at noon, and then I'll back it up. I'm doing a lot of things in the back ends now to ensure that you guys don't get a bunch of notifications. YouTube made some great changes, but you guys were getting absolutely obliterated with notifications. And I have made some changes to fix that. The bright side upgraded the member plus. Thank you so much for doing that. Upgraded the member plus is a dollar more and we're giving you a whole extra segment now at the end of the day i was always planning the next day's show anyway and now you get to be a part of that planning we call it the writer's room was dying on the way home it was so funny yeah 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 don't tell people what it was but writer's room got a little got a little extra Uh, you got a little extra yesterday all right so today at noon okay it should be up in yeah that's perfect Brown Excellence upgrades to Member Plus. Thank you so much for doing that. In about 13 minutes, we're going to go to this premiere. Will PlayStation blur the lines between PS5 and PC releases? Talking about some things that were just recently discovered with trophies. So that is what today's upload is about. And we'll be going there in about 13 minutes. So you guys have a little bit of time to try to hit more members. Try to get it to the next threshold the next milestone this is the current goal right here 2500 we're currently at 2300 and that'll be a fright night if you guys can do this before friday i'll give you two fright nights i'll do one this friday because madam won't be with me but i'll play a spooky game this friday night we'll do vr i've got like a mic i can mic myself now when i'm in vr it won't be the greatest quality mic we're just wanting to test it out first a slightly more expensive bottle jefferson's ocean aged at sea is a great one uh, thank you, Alex, for upgrading to Member Plus. You need to understand that Sony's PC strategy is to attract low-end PC gamers to the PS5 platform, not necessarily to satisfy PC gamers. Corey, I actually touch on that in this video, and I really, really touch on the next the next phase of PlayStation potentially really driving home that um, with the PS5 Pro. So I'm interested in your guys. Uh, I'm interested in your thoughts. Uh, when you guys get over there for that, uh, interested to see what you think on on that particular topic. PlayStation has nothing to do with Baldur's Gate three. Stop it! Who said anything about PlayStation having to do with Baldur's Gate three? It's my favorite game this year, but it's rare outside of PlayStation games. In the context of PlayStation games, it's par for the course. You're misunderstanding what he said. I don't think he's saying it has anything to do with it. I think he's saying that it's usually in his experience he only feels like he gets that quality from PlayStation he's not saying that 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 PlayStation had anything to do with Baldur's Gate the coffee has not always rotated I got that uh, the bright side drops a 20 bomb at the end there is Senua that's a big one we have different pictures for the different bombs not only that that pushes us past 50 because we had a single a little bit ago that's a Big, big one. I now owe you 10 members, and that 20 is going to get us basically close to halfway to 2,400. And you guys still have 10 minutes to push it 
further. I love seeing names like Boss Man Davy and Tiny Toot and Meadow Pixie. I love seeing these names get members. Memberships have been a little bit slower this month. If you've been missing out on getting those gifted memberships, you can't always depend on the people being that generous. Consider picking up your own membership. If not, be here as often as you can. That does help you get the membership. It does. It influences the, the, the who gets them. So if you're like, man, it's been a while since I've had a membership. It could be because it slowed down a little bit this month, which is totally fine. And that encourages you to maybe, you know, pick up your own and like enjoy all the content still. And then you make space for other people to get those gifted. Any plans for K-Cups? No. But we have a K-Cups command. You can buy reusable K-Cups and it's going to save you money. It is better for the environment. And uh, you can then try my coffee. So we actually have a K-Cups command. You can get those reusable ones there. I believe that link is still live. Uh, It should take you to... Yep, Amazon's got reusable ones right there. Uh, How much are those, by the way? Uh, $8.99 for a pack of them. So... Give that a whirl. Give that a whirl. I feel like a freeloader. Don't, you should never feel like a freeloader. The reason gifteds are so great is there's always going to be people that can't afford a membership. We had somebody who, who had been a member for almost two years and he fell on hard times and people gifting kept him and kept his membership going. So, you know, he's paying for his own membership for, you know, 20 months and then things get kind of crappy and the generosity of others you know, picks that picks that guy up and lets him stay a part of everything. So don't ever feel that way. I've had people that were like, hey, I was getting gifteds for six months, got a new job, I want to pay it forward, and they drop a big member bomb. It, 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 it all comes back around, man. The generosity and the kindness all comes back around. A 10 bomb comes in right off the top ropes. Alex takes us to 61. Thank you so much, Alex, for dropping a 10 bomb on the chat. He's been doing super chats all day as well as gifted. That's his third 10 bomb today. Make sure and say thank you to Alex. If you guys just got a gifted member and you're like, I can pay for my own membership. I didn't need a gifted member. Well, then you can pay it forward. You can gift a single to somebody else and and do that down the line. Like when people keep paying for each other's coffee at Starbucks, you can pay it forward and gift a single member as well. You need a bourbon channel? I don't know about that. PlayStation 5 console covers of Marvel Spider-Man Limited Edition uh, will be on the Best Buy mobile app in one hour. People are trying to get those. It requires a Best Buy app and a login. If PlayStation has nothing to do with Baldur's Gate, I'd hate to know where Xbox stands. Stop it. (laughs) Can I pay you directly? If you're considering doing a super chat or a gifted member... It's so much more preferable to do a gifted member. If Let's just say you're going to give me $25 in a super chat. Well, that would be five gifted members. I get the exact same amount of support either way, but what you're doing is, is you're including other people in the generosity. I know it's nice to like do the super chat and your message hits the chat. I wish they would let you do that on a gifted. Hey, man, here's some gifted members. Love the show, Lono. Thanks so much for all you do, blah, blah, blah. It'd be great if you could do that on gifted members because that would essentially make nobody do super chats anymore. YouTube gets the same amount of support. I get the same amount of support. But then we get more people in the membership pool. Does that make sense? 
So, have you seen the Todd Howard AI? Yeah, 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 yeah. Honest conference. Very funny. Very funny. Guys, in six minutes, we are going to go to this premiere. We get 70 more likes on the video. Let's shoot for 400 likes. We're shooting for 75 members right now. Thanks so much for the support. We were talking about Halo and its future and Halo Infinite Season 5. And uh, also just talking about the rumors about a new Halo coming. So it's been, I think, a great, great day and a great, great show. And we're not done yet. We're going to go to this premiere about PlayStation. Are they blurring the line with their PC releases? There's been a leak with respect to trophies and something that might be coming down the road for PlayStation PC games. It was a joke, Otto. What did Otto say? It's just that the developer couldn't get it running on the S. Well, yeah, he put a kappa. Russell Stewart was clearly joking around. Hilly says, Halo, Halo, Halo. Maybe have a channel in Discord for people who gift subs can write a message that you can read from there. Maybe, maybe. Or just if you're going to gift members, you know, you have permission to type in all caps after gifting members. So you can type one message in all caps and then I'll read it. Like, you know, treat it like a uh, treat it like a super chat. I'll read your message, and then more people get memberships. You know, everybody everybody wins at that point. You know, so that would be that'd be my that'd be my feedback. I am far more interested in getting more people in the member pool than people doing super chats. And I that might sound weird because lots of channels like that's all they care about is super chats. Or like, yeah. You know, super chat to ask a question. I I don't like people having to pay money to talk. It's why I never run members only unless it gets crazy. Like if we have a ton of viewers or if it's getting very toxic, we run subscriber only mode. Subscribing is free. So I don't want anybody ever feeling like, I got to spend money for him to read my comment. No, no. Like this? Yes, like that. Exactly. Alex. Uh... Did you see Starfield was the best-selling game in U.S. for September? Where where was that re- where was that reported? I feel like everybody would have been flaunting that. I'm not saying it didn't happen. Who reported that? No one wants all caps. <laughs> uh, the fact that I just mentioned all caps and creature, you immediately popped up. I put a phone call on hold to address this all cap stuff. No, you're not in charge of that. If someone gifts members and wants to type one message in all caps, I don't care about that. We were we were letting people super chat and gift members to time others out, and you're worried about somebody gifting members and typing in all caps? I didn't say they could type on all caps for the rest of the day. They could type one time. Ignore creature. You guys you guys do that if you want. Just ignore him. The article above. There you go. You, you, there you go. Gyra Music. Gyra Music just gifted a member. We got to go in three minutes. We got to go in three minutes. That's 62. There you go. Ah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. You Let's have some mutiny. Everybody gift a member and type in all caps just to tick off creature. Do it. In the article above. Okay. Despite Xbox Game Pass, Starfield's the best-selling game of September per Circana. Okay, so it came from Circana. Okay. You have to go all caps. No, you have to gift a member or gift members if you want to type in all caps. Right? You guys aren't gifting members. You're breaking the rules. 
It was the seventh highest selling game of the year. It got into the top ten. Look at that. Spider-Man and Mario Wonder are probably going to knock it out down to ninth. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, there you go. Paris. Paris gifted a member. You can now type a message in all caps. See, this is how you guys do it. This is how you do it. You know, get a little rebellious. You know, get a little rebellion in you. Creature says, I hate it here. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Hurry up. We can hit 75. A five bomb from Parasito gets us a little bit closer and he takes us to 68. Come on, y'all. <laughs> oh, there it is. Six, 69 members. Thank you, Sorcerer. Nice. We are super close now. You guys have 60 seconds. Hurry up. I got to get the link. I got to get the link for the uh, for the video. Hang on one second for the premiere. It's going to go live in like 60 seconds. Hurry, hurry, hurry. All right, let me grab this. Uh, I'm going to put the link in chat, and I'm going to redirect you. If redirect doesn't work, it'll be the featured video on the channel as well. It'll be the featured video on the channel. Let's all go watch this video about PlayStation PC games blurring the line, and then I'll hang out with members, and then we'll do the writer's room. So we got still got a lot of things left in the day. We got a lot of things left in the day. So I'm going to spam the link in chat. If redirect doesn't work, use the link in chat or go to the main channel. It'll be featured. Apparently, PlayStation did something with trophies, and it's making people speculate about what they're going to be doing with PC games going forward so let's head over to that listen if you guys continue gifting in the premiere I'll, I'll make good on this we only need six more and I'll owe you 15 members so as soon as we get over there I'll drop a 10 bomb but I'll drop more if you guys keep going alright let's head over to the premiere about PlayStation PC games blurring the line 